Welcome to the Self-Publishing Queen podcast. My name is Josiane Fortin and I'm a self-published author. I'm obsessed with helping and motivating writers to publish their books and share their gift with the world. My goal with this podcast is to inspire you to take action and be the writer you want to be. Let's go! Hello, writers. I'm Josiane Fortin. Today, I'm interviewing Emily Crookston. So Emily is a ghostwriter and she writes books, articles and blog posts. So I want to know like what it's like to be a ghostwriter today. So thank you for being on the show. And please start by telling us a little bit about you. Sure. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks, Josiane, for this opportunity. Um, yeah, so I am a ghostwriter. I like to call myself the ghostwriter for rebels, renegades, and mavericks because I love working with experts that have big ideas that are uh, a little maybe off the wall or at least innovative within their field um, and helping them kind of formulate their messaging around um, all of those big ideas. Um, so yeah, I've been a ghostwriter now for, uh, well, my I've been in business for over five years. I've been doing book ghostwriting for about three years. Um, and so that's my main kind of bread and butter uh, for the business. Uh, but I also, like you said, write, uh, do some smaller projects, blog, blog post writing and LinkedIn post writing. Okay, so how did you get into that industry? Yeah, so I used to be an academic. So I taught philosophy for seven, eight years. Um, and when I was ready to leave academia, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought, what did I want to be before I was a philosophy professor? Uh, and the answer was, well, when I was 13, I thought marketing would be cool. <laughs> um, and so I happened that a friend was looking for some marketing help and she owns a web development company in Washington, DC and needed blog posts and she needed blog posts for her clients as well. Um, so that's how I sort of discovered ghostwriting as a thing that people people do. I was just kind of fell into it. And I think that's the story with a lot of ghostwriters. Um, but then at some point she said, you know, you could start a business doing this. And I thought, oh, that might be fun. Okay. So, <laughs> so. at first it was a side business. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was after. A, mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Yeah. It was a side business for, for a minute while I was figuring out, you know, how to get out of uh, academia. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I started doing that. I was her intern for the, a year while I was still teaching to sort of see if I liked it. Okay. And how many books have you written in those three years? I want, I want to know. I'm very yeah, curious. Yeah. So it's not hundreds. I've done um, <laughs> 11 books so far edited or ghostwritten. Um, and that's because I work on one book project, ghostwriting project at a time. Um, so I can really only do two or three books a year ghostwriting. And then I work the editing projects in when I, you know, when I have time, um, it's easier to do those along with the ghostwriting. Um, but yeah, I like to focus on one project. Each project takes me 16 weeks. So I have a pretty standard process that I work authors through. I think a lot of ghostwriters don't or hesitate to give deadlines like that. Um, so I think it's a real advantage that I can say your book is going to be done in four months um, with 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 maybe a little wiggle room in there. Um, but usually we can get it done. And I write all business books, which I think also helps is that I, you know, I focus on a particular kind of book. So I have an idea of what the process is going to look like. Um, right. My authors. So what's a typical client? Do they come to you and they say, like, I have this title and I need content to fill out like the book or like, how do, do you suggest ideas? How does that work? 
Yeah, so I, I like to have a very collaborative process. So I ask that all my ghostwriting prospects come to me with an outline. Um, and that's that's going to be a working outline. We can change it up. It, it may look very different from the, the original outline in the end, um, but that's fine. But that shows me that they've done enough thinking about what the book will look like, structure, big structure, macro structure of the book that we can really dig in and, and get the writing done. Because I have done projects where they a client comes to me with basically just a title and a couple, you know, a couple chapter ideas. Um, and I've written the book basically all by myself, but it's not my favorite way to work. It makes me really nervous. And yeah. <laughs> I, 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 and I also think um, from the author's perspective, I don't know how that author can take her book and do interviews with media about the book because I how does she, how would she even know what's in there you know because it's very different to read your own book versus writing the book and and having those thoughts and those ideas so I'm really looking for someone to be more of a collaborative partner yes. so I meet weekly with my uh, ghostwriting clients uh, I go away and write for 10 or 20 hours a week and, and you know in an hour we can sort of chat through what I've done and what we need to do in the next bit and then that worked, that process worked pretty well. Okay. So how do they make sure that it sounds like them or that the ideas in the book are actually things that they do or that they try? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the challenges. And the, well, actually the part that I really love is capturing the voice of someone else. Like I get to put on my, you know, hat of <laughs> a different, different person every time I'm working on someone else's book. Um, and that's fun for me, but because we're working really closely and I, I allow my allow, I, I, the book is theirs. I really want them to feel like they own it. So I'm happy for them to jump in and write pieces as we go. They can edit anything that I've written. And, but in the process of working together, really it's about, about the conversations. I get to know you really well and I hear, and I think I, maybe especially more than maybe others pick up on the the jokes that you tell and the kind of language that you use and you know a lot of that will end up in some modified version in the book um, I also encourage clients to share any other materials they have from talks they've given or blog posts they've written themselves um, to get a feel for that voice because again I really want them to own it and it should yes. feel like theirs when it's done that makes sense. And what is your work schedule? Do you set like, um, like a time that you have to work and have your butt in the chair to work? Do you have like a, like a set number of words you want to write each day or each hour? How, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. When I'm ghostwriting, it's I do set a pretty rigid kind of schedule because I do think that getting the words on the page is the most important thing at first when you're trying to draft a book. And this goes for all authors. Um, when you're trying to draft a book, you've, you've got to set those word count goals carefully and, and try to hit them. And so I like to get a full draft of the book done in eight weeks. Um, and so that means I really am writing about, like I said, 10 to 20 hours a week. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's like 5,000 words a week um, I think in the end. So a thousand words a day isn't so crazy. So I usually say you're going to aim for about 40,000 words okay. um, with a business book. Um, so yeah, so over the course of eight weeks, if we're writing 5,000 words a week, we can get there. Um, and that's a pretty good clip. Uh, I 
I don't generally write more than about 3000 words a day, no matter what kinds of projects I've got going on. I can do that in about four hours. Um, so I spend most, you know, I spend most of my day writing, but it's, it's really not uh, the, the, like for eight hours. I don't know who can sit down and write for eight hours. I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, I, I interspersed, you know, LinkedIn, jumping on LinkedIn and doing my emails and all of that, of course, in my day. Um, but yeah, so when I'm working and I have about uh, 3000 words a day to write, I'm, I'm feeling in a pretty good headspace. <laughs> good. And what are your productivity hacks? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, besides just sitting down and getting the words done and making that kind of your first goal of the day, um, I feel really good when I can get the, the hardest project out of the way first. So if I'm doing ghostwriting, then that's probably the first thing I'm going to start with in my day. Um, but I would say, you know, with writing, you really have to allow those words to come when they want to come. So if I am sitting down and trying to do those thousand words and it's just not working, like yesterday I was trying to write a blog post for myself and the words just weren't coming. And so I stopped and I did something else. I'm also taking a course. So I went and listened to some lessons in the course and did a little exercise there. And then I went back to the blog post and I find that switching sometimes can jog those words and make them come. Um, but also, you know, I, I can be a real bad procrastinator. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I've been working with is setting myself a deadline, not only to finish the project, but to start the project. So I generally with smaller blogging projects or articles, I will say, okay, I can do this in a week. And that doesn't mean I'm working on that project for a week. It means I'm working on that project for two or three hours within my week. <laughs> and so sometimes I will leave it to the day till the day that it's due. And that's, a, you know, an icky feeling. It's not something that I like to do. So I've started saying, okay, well, I need to start this project two days after I've talked to the client or something. Okay. Or days. Um, and that helps. At least it's started and I'm not doing the entire thing on the day before it's due. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you'll say I have to start this project by Monday. And then on Monday you'll have to put like, do you have like five minutes, 10 minutes? What's like the minimum that you have to do? Right it? now it's just getting started. Okay. So just... <laughs> that might be two minutes, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, but I find that most times when you start like two minutes, then it turns into five, 10, half an hour, like when exactly. we go on Facebook, but that right. same thing can happen with our projects too. Yes, so it's, it's true. Sometimes the hardest thing is just getting started. And I yes. notice myself putting off the easiest projects sometimes for whatever, you know, once I get going, it only takes me 30 minutes to do this thing, but because I've put it off for three weeks, you know? It's yeah. Like, and it's a pain for three weeks. And after you're like, Oh, I had fun doing it. Yeah, Does right. that happen to you? Like sometimes Absolutely. I even have fun doing it. Yes. Yes. So. I, I have to remind myself, you actually like doing this work. I don't know why you put it off. Yes. Um, and yeah, honestly, I, I don't know because I think bigger things hold space in my head, you know, and they feel bigger. And I, Sometimes that happens. I'll say, oh, that little thing can be done later, later, later. And it gets pushed to the end of the to-do list over and over. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and do you have like actionable advice for someone who would want to write a book, but never has the time? Like, I don't really like to say you don't have time because I feel like that's us making excuses. So what would you tell that person? 
Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it, when you say you don't have time, that just means you haven't made it a priority, right? So that's that's the first thing. You have got to make that priority. But, you know, set some time in your schedule and, and don't break that rule. You know, don't break that meeting with yourself. Um, yeah, it, and all it takes to really write a book is a couple of hours a week. You know, just think about how much you could add, how many pages you could add up if you're writing even 500 words in an hour, you know, a thousand words a week that can add up very quickly. Um, so I think if you can start with small goals, start with the smallest thing that you can imagine doing, it might just be writing one sentence. And like we said, you know, that can build and that can grow really quickly. But if you start with small goals and you create sort of a streak for yourself where you're hitting that small goal, several weeks or days in a row, um, then you'll start to feel more confident in, in what you're doing and you'll feel good. Um, I st started this year saying I was gonna write a book for myself and I did start doing that in January and that petered out after about six or eight weeks. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I understand the feeling that I don't have time to do this. And, and But part of my issue was that I couldn't find the outline. I couldn't figure out, you know, the structure for the book. Um, and so I ended up starting again in October. And this time I just said, forget about having an outline, forget about the structure, just write something, anything on this topic, you know, just, just start with some questions and start, you know, trying to answer those questions and see where, where it goes. Maybe the outline will sort of reveal itself to you. Is it a secret? Um, Can we know what it's about? No. Yeah. Yeah. So I started a book on self-awareness. Okay. Um, I, I have, I think I have a self-awareness journey to, to tell <laughs> a story to tell about that. Um, but actually what's happened is I wrote about 20,000 words on that book and decided, what am I doing? I have this other idea, which is so clear in my head and so well worked out that I think that that's the book I should write first. <laughs> so I think by the end, I'm going to end up with a book and a half. Um, but the <laughs> new topic is on expertise because I have an interview series where I interview experts. So I have a bunch of like 60 of these interviews that I can mine for data to use in the book. And, you know, I thought much more about that topic than self-awareness. So, yeah. And what happens when you have a client that wants a book on the topic that you don't find particularly interesting or the person is not interesting? Like sometimes yeah. like it's not a good fit. Like has that happened to you? Yeah. I've had little things like that where they wanted a book and it wasn't really in, that interest like I love to write about psychology I like to write about mindset issues and things like that uh, anything related to that is is fun for me but this was a book about you know how to sell your business which seems interesting from a business owner's perspective and, and all of that but it was just a very nuts and bolts kind of book um, a, a lot of it I felt like the tips weren't interesting or unusual or surprising, you know, okay. um, so it's tough. And what I always try to do is sort of spice it up in my own way, relate it to something that I think a reader would, it would resonate with, with a reader that, that kind of problem solving can be fun for me. Um, so that can keep me engaged in writing the book and getting it uh, done. But that book was started right before the pandemic. And so it kind of, the project kind of took a backseat anyway yeah, and right. my, my part of the reason might be because I wasn't that <laughs> excited about finishing it so. yes uh, yeah okay um why why do you think that some books hit the New York Times bestsellers while other books don't 
Yeah, I think there's probably three big reasons or three big areas um, to look at if you're trying to get on the New York Times bestseller. Um, I think one big one is timing. <laughs> um, I think another one is how you're marketing and promoting the book. Um, a lot of authors think that if they go the traditional publishing route, um, that those publishers, the big house publishers, are going to do a lot of the marketing for them. And that's not really true. You're going to have to do a lot of the marketing yourself, even if you have a traditional publisher. Um, so marketing and promotion. And then I think having an interesting hook that's simple that people can really grab onto. Um, so I was listening to an old interview with Tim Ferriss, the uh, four-hour workweek guy. Um, he's you know, love him or hate him. <laughs> what he did with his first book was pretty amazing. So he was on the New York Times bestseller list for for four years, I think, and sold like 2 million copies. Um, that was a great book. book. I love that book. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I love it too. I think it's really an interesting uh, idea. But, you, you know, he hit those marks really well. Like the timing, it came out in 2007. Um, it was the perfect time. He targeted the right people in Silicon Valley. Um, everybody was looking for productivity hacks uh, at that time, you know, and, and so the book really stood out. Um, but also the title's really catchy. You're like four hour work week, you know exactly what the book is about, just just hearing the title. Um, but it's really fascinating to hear his story of, of that the success of that book, because he basically just took it door to door to bloggers and got those influencers to talk about his book. And that's, that's how he ended up on the New York Times bestseller list. So. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Really and when you write a business book, I want your opinion, because sometimes um, people say you need to include like personal stories about like why you think that device is so important. Like, what do you think about that? Because personally, I don't really like personal stories that much. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not really sure if I'm a, just a weird person or like, is there a market right. for both? What do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I know personal stories, if they're not really tied in to the the business part of the book can feel really fluffy right it's like yes, well, let it's me like you're adding pages. words like you're just adding words yes totally yes 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 so I think a well-placed example in a business book is really helpful um, usually I encourage clients to look at to, to include client stories, not so much personal stories. I think a good personal story can be a good motivation for the book. Like it could be in the introduction. Like I wrote a parenting book, for example, and she had a really nice story about her, you know, her personal life and how she became a parent and how she parents with her um, ex-husband, you know, co-parenting kind of story, which tied really well into a lot of the advice she was giving. Um, but we basically kept that story in the introduction. It didn't come back, you know, in, okay. within the, the tips, although she did throw in a lot of examples about how she works with her own kids, because that illustrates um, a lot of the advice that she was giving. Um, so I think personal stories are helpful for illustrating points within a book. You know, sometimes the tips can get a little overwhelming if you don't break it up with some kind of story or some kind of exercise, something that takes the reader away from the the advice that you're given, giving. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. You have to be sparing of using <laughs> personal <laughs> stories within these types of books, for sure. It's not a memoir, right? There's yes, a reason exactly. it's a different, different type of, different genre. 
Yes. And what are the biggest book writing mistakes that you have seen when working? Like you've worked with a lot of authors. So what, what would you say are the biggest mistakes? I think one of the biggest mistakes, like I, I think new writers, people who have never written a book before, think the hardest part is the writing. And I think, in fact, the hardest part is the marketing and the promotion, especially if you're self-published. Um, so people, you know, it's hard to write a book. Some people take years to write their book and then they're like, oh, I'm finished. And it's like, no, you're really just starting <laughs> you're your marathon. Starting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you aren't prepared for that, like if you don't realize that, okay, you're going to get the writing done and that part's going to be tough, but then you've got to be prepared to do all this marketing. You've got to have a plan for marketing the book, which really, really should start before you're finished with the book. <laughs> um, if you're not prepared for that, it can be a real tough slap in the face. And I think a lot of authors aren't realistic about what a book, what a business book can do for them too. Um, sometimes if you haven't done your research, you might think, oh, I'm going to write this book and then it's going to be a bestseller. And, you know, I'm going to have this huge audience coming because of the book. And that may or may not be true. It depends a lot on, again, the marketing and how uh, how your audience reacts to to a book. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of little nuances in there that that people need to be aware of. So I always like to tell people, you know, a book is valuable for a lot of reasons besides book sales. If you expect to make for example, your all the money back that you invest in the book in just book sales, you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, but it can help you get on the speaking stage. It can help you increase your speak your client fees. It can help you reach more leads. You know, there's a lot that a book can do for you, but you have to consider all those other ways that it's going to make you money um, and take that into account when you're considering whether it's worth writing writing a book, you know, worth your time. Can you already tell when a customer comes to uh, ask for your services if like their book topic is going to be on trend or if it's like, oh, no, that's so like 10 years ago, like it's not going to fly. Like, can yeah. you already tell? I can get a pretty good sense. And it's it's a lot about, you know, is this idea new in, to me? You know, because I, I spend a lot of time reading business articles and, and, you know, playing in the space of business people and what they're talking about. So I know a lot of the trends. And yes, if I encounter a book where I'm just like, uh, this is obvious. Why does any, you know, <laughs> these are not, these are, I could have written this book myself. You know, that's usually a bad sign because, but when I'm dealing with a real expert who has innovative ideas and I can just feel that spark then yeah, I have a feeling that it's, it's going to be big. Um, it's going to be good. So yeah, I can, I can definitely feel that. I'm not, you know, a lot of it is coming up with a really good title and coming up with the right angle on a lot of different things. You know, you can do a lot with, I mean, people write about the same and give the same advice over and over all the time, but it's a lot about how you're connecting with your audience and how you're, what your particular you know, unique take on the idea is, and we can play with those ideas. But yeah, when an idea jumps out at me as being special, then I'm, then I can say, yeah, I think this is going to be big. This is great. <laughs> yes. And would you feel proud or like, how would you feel if one of your books like sold a lot, a lot, a lot, 
of copies, yeah. but like your name is not on it. Like, how do you <laughs> feel about that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. People ask me that a lot. And I think, you know, if you're considering being a ghostwriter, it's something to think about if it would bother you, if that kind of thing would bother you and you'd feel like you didn't get enough credit. Yes. Then it's probably not a good place, <laughs> a good line <laughs> of work. <laughs> um, but I feel w- that I'm compensated well for the work that I do. And that that makes me happy. But but yeah, I mean, I always aim for that kind of thing to happen. I love to hook up my clients with uh, great marketers who can help them with the marketing aspect for that reason. Um, I've I've had books win little awards, um, nothing like, you know, Golden Globe or something, but, <laughs> but you know, um, w- awards from different organizations for the writing and, and things like that. And that always makes me feel great. And, you know, I always tell my clients, you know, well, that was work that we did together. You know, it's really the <laughs> mind meld that created that. It's not my brain. It was, you know, ours together. The collaboration is what yeah. did it. And That's I'm a good happy way to, to be a it. part of it. Yeah, yeah. And so like you've been working on a book yourself. Do you think you'll have like a date where it's going to be launched next year before the end of the year? What is it? Yeah, my hope is to have a complete draft finished that I can take to an editor uh, next year. Yeah, at the start of next year. So that's the plan. So it should come out sometime uh, next year. Yeah. Okay. And if people want to know more about you, where can they find you on the internet? Great. Uh, my business website is thepocketphd.com. And you can always find me on LinkedIn. And that's at Emily Crookston. And that's uh, also my Twitter handle is EM Crookston. And so those okay. are the main places where I hang out. <laughs> I'll make sure to share the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yes. Thanks so much, Josiane. It was fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving me a review. If you are ready to publish your book, let me take your hand in my course, How to Self-Publish on Amazon. I will show you every step you need to take to successfully go through the publishing process on the platform. Keep on writing, 